For our first message today, we have a split sermon from Mr. Doyle Carter entitled, God's Rescue Plan for Mankind, God's Part. It's based on Matthew 24, verses 21 through 22. Doyle? Greetings, everyone. I'm glad you corrected my count. I had eight days on my notes. But it's amazing, even if it's eight days, whether it's seven days, it's going to go so fast. This week, next week, it's just going to go fast. I can see it. Time never stands still, I swear. As it's now, we're between the Feast of Trumpets and Day of Atonement. So I thought it'd be a good time to review, or it would be fitting, to review God's rescue plan for man. What he had, mankind, not, not individually like we do like in the fall season or the spring season, but in the fall season. Jesus says on the Mount of Olives, or on the, let me start over. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, he said in Matthew 24, 21 through 22, for then there will be great tribulations such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor, nor ever shall be, but unless, and unless these days were shortened, no flesh shall be saved alive. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. We see that in the news all the time. News is very depressing nowadays. I mean, it's always something going on. Right now we're going through the elections, which that's depressing enough by itself. They promise us the moon and don't realize it's a, our problems in our country are more spiritual than physical. And I'm not endorsing either candidate. I just meant they do promise a lot and doesn't mean they'll deliver. Doesn't mean they will or won't. But if you look at the news, it's just like, it's depressing. The world is just going down a path of destruction. I mean, it's just so obvious. And as far as the actual verse itself, it says, you know, in, in those days, Unless those days were shortened, no flesh shall be saved alive, as one, one of our prominent ministers once said until 1945. We really wouldn't have understood that until the atomic bombs. And now we can do even more, germ warfare, chemical warfare, and so forth. It's a little bit of a scary world out there. But wait, God does have a plan to save us as uh, mankind, as we see in the holy days. You know, I was practicing telling someone about this to kind of rehearse. And his view of God is that he sits on a, on a throne with a bunch of TVs, and he's just watching the world go by, and he's just like a grandpa going, well. And that's not what I try to tell him. That's not what God the Father's doing. He's actually got an active plan to save us. He's not sitting there going, eh, eh the kids are doing whatever they're doing. So he's not idly by. So he has a, this, and by the way, today will only be a brief overview. It's a, the plan is very massive. So let's take a few minutes to look at the basics. First off, or I even start with the points, I want to go into John 3.16. In John 3.16, we see that, give that a minute, there we go. We see that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And I just chose this as a, it's, as a focal point in scriptures. Many scriptures have focused on this, that Christ is the center piece of the plan of saving mankind. His actions are the main actions that appear to be what saves us. Let's look at a few of them. 
Look at a few of the ideas. First, Jesus Christ as mediator between God and man. And Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 6. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due season. We see that in this, in what he was telling Timothy was that Jesus is the mediator. He came as a ransom. Because unfortunately, being in the human experience, all of us have sinned. And sometimes it's not totally our, when I say our fault, that circumstances cause us to react in ways or whatever it is. And we fall short, as it says in Romans 3, 23 through 24. Paul writes to the Romans, For all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. So we see Jesus Christ as like a bridge between us and God, God the Father. We see that... I know in Isaiah 64, 6, it says, But we are all like unclean things, and all, all our righteousness are as like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our, our iniquity, like this wind, has taken us away. I know he's speaking to Israel, but it's, it's actually very applicable to us. We are in the same position. Our supposed righteousness is just like filthy rags to God. Like I've said before up here, one person I said something about, you know, God needs to be a sacrifice. And he said, I haven't done anything wrong. And like I told, said before, and it's like I couldn't understand that. It's like, well, then what's the point of you being Christian and accepting Christ as your Savior to cover your sins if you didn't, you know. But it was just an interesting conversation there. So Christ came to be a mediator to cover our sins, to take care of to make sure that's covered. He's a mediator, so like when we pray, which we'll get in that soon enough, when we pray that he can relate that to God the Father. So he's an agent of salvation. We also see another role that he plays. As it says on here, second, he's not just mediator. He doesn't just mediate between God the Father and us. He priest. High priests tend to be someone who intercedes, if I'm saying that right, intercedes for the people. In the Old Testament, it was like with sacrifices and so forth. Now it's with Christ. And I'm going to look into that. Hebrews, where Paul wrote, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in times of need. 
Part of the rescue plan is Jesus Christ had to come to the earth, which we all know anyway, because in the past 2,000 years ago, give or take, he came as a human being. He understands what we go through. Like I said, I worry about my father passing away one day because he's fortunately a little older. You know, he would understand that because I'm assuming that he may have saw Joseph pass away. He may, he's seen the good side. Let's go, let's do it this way. He, he saw the good side, like at the feast, you know, the experience of life when we go to the feast or be a family. He's seen the in-between sides where we have rough days at work. And then he's seen times when we have loss in family or, or loss of jobs and we're really struggling to try to make a living because the economy isn't good or whatever. He under, Jesus Christ understands. He lived the human experience. So when we pray to him, he can relate that information to God the Father. But I'm not going to, as I said to someone, I'm not going to get too far into this. Because technically, on the Day of Atonement, if you read Leviticus 16, ahead of time before the Day of Atonement, you'll understand his role a little bit better. Because the high priest there represents, is representative of Jesus Christ. And the atonement process for the community. Now, I had actually had one of that. I never thought of it until one of our ministers, I might as well say his name, Pondart, he made a comment. It was a community thing because he said, when he read it in his sermon, he went, everybody gathers together just because we're all going to fast in four days. And I'm sorry, guys, I'm not bringing uh, creamers for coffee on, on Wednesday, just to let you know in advance. So, no coffee. No coffee on that. Now, next, the next Saturday, the Saturday after that, yeah, for Sabbath. But, he, but it was a community thing. Everybody came together, and they, they just sit there, and they were fasting, and they, they let the high priest do his thing to remove sin. But again, I'm not going to take someone else's thunder on the Day of Atonement. But the point is, he is high priest for us. But it even for us. It's not just to save us from our sins. So, okay, so we've seen he's a mediator. For, and it, it's individual, of course, as well, like it shows in the, in the spring, but it, it's also for everyone, your neighbor, my co-worker, so forth. We see that he's high priest for, every, for the world itself. The third, and what I think it's awesome, because I talked about news earlier, he will also be king and ruler one day. He will come and straighten everything out. Because like I told, said one time, my mom used to, I think my mom used to have, or my dad, I can't remember which, had a, 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 it's a sponge that looks like a brick. And when something on the news wasn't right, he would just, just throw it at the TV like, oh, come on, you can't do that. <sighs> There'll be a day when Christ will come down and we'll get into that. We'll, we'll, the world will learn how to live right. Y'all get to tell me about the product later, anyone out there if they want, but I've I only seen it once. We, I'm going to steal a little thunder from David, if he doesn't mind. I liked what he did last week. We see, and I didn't give the scripture because it's only reference, but in Acts 1, 9 through 11, how the apostles were sitting up, you know, sitting at the Mount of Olives, they see Christ, and he ascends up. And, they, they, and then the angels come back and they say, Men of Galilee, why do you, why do you stand gazing in, into heaven for the same Jesus who was taken up into, into heaven will so come in like manner as we saw him go into heaven. And we see that in Zechariah 14. 14, slow down there, Zechariah 14. I'll, to make a point and save time, I'll cut a few little items out, but I'll get the point across. Okay, 
It says in that, in Zechariah 14, 4, and in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, like he left, with, the, with, face, with faces Jerusalem, face Jerusalem on the east, and on Mount Olives shall split and fr from east to west, and I was going to go past that, because David did a fantastic job talking about how there'll be a great earthquake, and I can't imagine a valley forming from a mountain. That's going to be a mass earthquake. I mean, that's, ugh. We thought our 6.9 the other day when it shook through the house on a Saturday morning was bad. That would be terrible. But it says in verse 5 at the latter part of it, it says, Thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with, all the saints with you. So we're going to have a part, which I won't get into today. And to continue on, verse 16. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations... Which came, which came against Jerusalem, shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whatever family, I'll just read it since it's there, and it, and it shall be that whatever family, families of the earth do not come to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. So we see Jerusalem will be the focal point of the, of the kingdom in itself. We see that the, at the Feast of Tabernacles, a future event. This is something I had to show to my boss because they kept saying, Feast of Tabernacles, that's Old Testament. I said, in Zechariah 14, it, she's Christian. She says, yeah, Christ will come. Well, then Zechariah 14, 16, it says that he will, <laughs> all nations will observe it. I haven't seen that yet in history. Most of them mock it. I mean, and that's, that's sad. It's, like I say, my first feast I went to. I mean, wow. I, I, Tom got me, just as a side note, Tom, when I, it was 1986, Tom Justice, I guess, decided this college student needed to go to the feast. So they bought, helped pay for his room, got me with Mr. Noble, and it, was, and it was like, it was an experience of a lifetime. And I've never missed a feast site, and knock on wood, of course, uh, never missed a feast since. It was just so awesome. It was so unique. And I think when the world is forced to keep it, they will keep it. They will also feel the same way. They'll go, wow. Other points of showing Jesus Christ as King and Lord of Lords would be like in Revelation 17, 14. In 17, 14, it says, These will make war with these as the nations. These will make, I'm breaking into the thought there, so. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, Jesus Christ. He, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with Him are called, chosen, and faithful. So the Lamb, which we recognize in Revelation, would be Jesus Christ. He will overcome them, and He'll be called Lord of lords and King of kings. I had, I, part of my great courses, I went into the Persian Empire just for the fun of it, because I like history. And it turns out the Persian king called himself the exact same term. So anyone who actually heard that would understood that meaning very well, kings and kings and lords of lords, or king of kings and lord of lords. Because that means there's other lords that are just not as powerful and other kings. And he would be the ultimate We also see in Revelation 20, verse 4, 
And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and who had not worshipped the beast in his image, and not received the mark on their forehead or on their hands. They lived, lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So it's going to be a thousand year reign on earth. As we've seen in Zechariah 14, 16, that they will come to Jerusalem. So I want, just as a preview of what we'll be looking for in that kingdom, I'd like to, to my last set of scriptures will be in Isaiah 2, verses 1 through 4. This is what we're looking forward to. Besides Christ being the mediator, besides him being the high priest, and when he becomes king, this is what the kingdom is going to do. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it and many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the, ma the mountain of the Lord to the house of God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his path. For out of Zion shall come forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between nations and rebuke many nations. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. There are many good points that come out of this. We see, like we saw in Zechariah 16, they will come to Jerusalem, the headquarters of the world, or the ruling area, and they will learn the truth, the way of better life that God is going to provide. We see that he might have to rebuke a few nations, because he says, and rebuke many nations. You know, because unfortunately we're kind of stubborn creatures, unfortunately, and sometimes we tend to think we're right when we're not. And it takes a little extra help sometimes to get the point across. And he'll know how to do it this time instead of, you know, who knows, maybe if, some, if there's riots or something, he sends hornets after him or something. I don't know, you know, always wondered how that would work. You don't have to do a lethal means to do it at that point. You're a, he's, you're, he's a god. He can go, okay, guys, you really want to riot? I'm giving you a warning. Move or else, or else what? And all of a sudden, hornet, yeah, and he's like, ah, second thought, I'm moving. <laughs> I'll listen to reason. I'll listen to reason. What I like about this is they will not learn war anymore. There's like, like Steve said in one of his sermons, it seems like there's more minute little wars going on all the time and terrorist attacks than when I was young. I mean, they were always around to some degree because I was born at the tail. Okay, I'm dating myself. We're not going to, so don't figure it up. But I was born at the tail end of the Vietnam War. And, you know, because my dad could have been drafted except for he had a child and he was studying to be an engineer, so he got out of it. But the point I'm making there is it's worse today because you hear it all the time and you don't even know who the combatants are anymore. It's just terrorist attacks, it's just worse. But it won't be that way anymore. They will not have training camps. Peace will be out. Won't need guns and tanks and all that. 
So in conclusion, this was just a brief outline. I mean, you may even had some other facets I didn't mention because I only got so much time. You know, eventually the red light will come on. But just saying that man, God has a rescue plan for mankind through Jesus Christ. We see that, and it's not just personal like we see in Passover where we go and we meet and do the bread and the wine. It's for all of mankind. We see that Jesus is our mediator between us to cover our sins if we repent and come to him, of course. Second, we see him as a high priest, as we will see on the Day of Atonement. I'm pretty confident we will talk about that on Atonement in four days, if we're all still awake after what we go through. But he will be, but we'll see that, and if you and also as a reference, go to Leviticus 19, or 16. We see also, third, that God through God will use Jesus Christ make him king and priest over the or king and a king over the earth to bring world peace finally on the earth through Jerusalem because we know that mankind can't do it I don't care what Star Trek says we are not going to have universal peace in 2000 or 24 the 24th century without God God will will take the time to re will go ahead and rescue us and change our path at the la at when he need when it's time. So just God has such an awesome plan ahead of us, a rescue plan for man. And when we get to the feast, I'm going to go into our part of it. So as we go through the holy days, take heart no matter what you see in news and all, remember God does he as it said in in in, in uh, give me a second. It's been a long day, a long week. In John 3.16, he got, God so loveth the world. He loves the world so much, he's going to rescue us. He's going to set up a kingdom. He set up a plan. And it's so awesome. So keep that in mind as, as the days continue.